Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm joined by Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hi Joe. Seb and I were joined today by the magnificent Matt Slater, who's here to talk us through the current situation with Saudi Arabia, Qatar's Be In Sports, which is the Middle East uh, North Africa broadcaster partner for uh, the Premier League, and uh, of course Newcastle United as well, who we'll get to more towards the end of the episode. Seb, what are the key questions that we're trying to understand today? Well, it's complicated, Joe. Um Fundamentally, I suppose from a Premier League perspective, we're trying to work out what the um, what the consequences of this are on the on the um, prospective Newcastle takeover. Matt does a really good job because there's an awful lot of um, it's a very nebulous topic and there's an awful lot of unanswered questions and questions that he can only speculate around. But he's um, he's absolutely fascinating and uh, it's as clear in my mind as this is ever going to be this topic now. So <laughs> thank you to Matt absolutely. for that. Yeah. yeah. Now listen, and also if you want to read Matt's work, uh, you can get a 30-day free trial to uh, to join The Athletic by visiting theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. And I would highly encourage everyone who's listening to do so, even if just to read Matt's work. He's my favourite of the journalists that I work with. Uh, and I think you'll understand why after listening to today's episode. So many synergies, Seb. Yeah, you, you kind of told Adam Crafton he was your favourite too. So I like Adam Crafton as well. It's hard. It depends yeah. who's here. But I, I would say, you know, Matt today and most days, Adam all of those other days. Uh, without further ado, though, because this is too much ado, um, I leave you in the, uh, the, the, the cool hands and the warm embrace of uh, Mr. Matt Slater. Okay, Matt Slater, uh, riddle me this. The Saudi Arabian government has permanently barred uh, the Premier League's Qatar-based Middle East broadcast partner, BN, from operating in the kingdom. Uh, BN was the rights holder with a £500 million deal with the Premier League that runs until 2022. So uh, currently it means that there is no legal way, uh, as far as I'm aware, of watching the Premier League in the kingdom of of, uh, Saudi Arabia. I, what I want to ask you is what the justification for that is, because uh, you know Saudi, the Saudi Arabians have sort of suggested that it's a, it's about practices that restrict competition, but presumably that's the purpose of uh, being a rights holder to the Premier League. So how does that add up? Well, I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, does it add up? Um, so the official reason that has been given by the General Authority for Competition in uh, the Saudi in Saudi Arabia, so their their competition. Um, authority. Um, they've been investigating BIN for a while. Uh, they've they actually have got previous here. This has been rumbling on for a few years. They've they've been upset with BIN in the past. Uh, I think it was around the Africa Cup of Nations in 2018, and there was something last year to do with the Asian Football Championships. Uh, BIN have been fined before, um, and it's always about the the same issue. And that is this sort of bundling of rights and bundling of the sports package, which to anyone that lives in this country is, yeah, I mean, that's that's what you do, right? If you're Sky Sports, you bundle stuff up. And, you know, if you're an Aston Villa fan, you, you don't get to choose the Aston Villa games. I mean, you can if you want to buy them individually on Now TV. But, you know, you, you would take the Sky package and, you know, that, that could include I don't know, bits of cricket and, 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 and golf. I know they've kind of moved away from that model, but it certainly includes non-Aston Villa stuff 
Um, and that's that's pretty much the way it is. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I might like only Game of Thrones, but I will have to watch some of the stuff my wife watches as well. You know, that's just the nature of premium premium rights, be it, be it sport or entertainment. So the actual case that Saudis have chosen to uh, to pick on being for this time is to do with Euro 2016. So um, apparently being uh, very naughtily, if you wanted to watch Euro 2016 games, said you had to you know take a subscription with us and perhaps watch some other games from another tournament. And the uh, Saudi Competition Authority thinks that's absolutely outrageous. And as a result, has permanently terminated um, Bein's <laughs> right to operate in Saudi Arabia. Now, look, they haven't really had a right to operate in Saudi Arabia for about three years. So it's the kind of permanently terminated as opposed to just unable to work there, operate there, that's different this time. And they've also fined them 10 million reals, which is 2.1 million quid or so. So um, a pretty emphatic ruling, and it, and it dates back to Euro 2016. Matt, what um, what are the consequences of this likely to be? Presumably, with um, being stripped of their of the license permanently, there's now a broadcasting vacuum or space to occupy. What 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 happens next? Well, that, that again is a, is a is a very good question, and we are kind of fumbling around in the dark for answers here a little bit. Perhaps the easiest way to describe this is that this is just making formal and official what has been the case in Saudi Arabia for about three years, ever since. Uh, Qatar fell out with its local neighbours, um, with the with you know many of the other Gulf states, particularly Saudi Arabia and UAE, um, its 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 nearest neighbours, uh, and you know Bahrain and Egypt as well. But but the the dispute seems particularly um, bitter between Saudi Arabia and UAE. So and then and so um, being who have um, who are based in Doha. Uh, they're sort of a, the sporting offshoot of Al Jazeera, the, the famous news channel. Um, very successful. They've they've certainly raised Qatar's profile, put put Qatar on the map as a kind of centre of journalism and, and broadcasting. Um, and Bein have been one of the biggest buyers of sports rights anywhere around the world, and have invested millions, billions in European, British sports rights, not just football. You name it, F1. Wimbledon, rugby, and have the sports rights, certainly for the Premier League, and as I said, all the other good stuff as well, World Cup, Champions League, um, La Liga, for the Middle East and North Africa region. And that is everywhere from Morocco to Oman. It's, uh, I think, 17, 18 countries. And Saudi Arabia is one of the key markets there. It's, it's certainly one of the, the wealthiest countries, but it's one of the biggest as well. It's got quite a big population in Saudi Arabia. So it's a really important market. Now, ever since that diplomatic economic dispute erupted June 2017, BN haven't really been able to operate there, not legally anyway. Um, and we've had this remarkable situation where a very sophisticated pirate operation called BeoutQ has been operating there. They started off just by pinching BN's satellite feed um, and there, lots and lots of BN boxes and, uh, and equipment was, was impounded and just rebadged as BeoutQ. There's been a big dispute about how involved the Saudi government, the Saudi state, have been in that operation. Um, you know, you could say the jury's out on that one, but certainly most experts I speak to are pretty um, convinced that it has, you know, the level of sophistication um, is that it, it's been state directed or at the very best, you know, uh, a blind eye has been turned to it 
So BRQ's been been running. B in hasn't been able to operate there legally. Some people have kind of kept up their kind of uh, contracts, sort of on the quiet. So B in estimates twenty thirty thousand people still watch its feed, but millions of people watch this pirated uh, BRQ feed. Um, and even when they turn the satellite feed off under a lot of pressure at the beginning of this season, it was it was being um, it was being done via the ArabSat um, satellite, which is uh, based in its operation is based in in Riyadh and it's, it's run by a Saudi. Saudi Arabia is the biggest uh, shareholder in that that uh, operation. Even when they turn that off, the IPTV, you know, the streaming um, operation of BRQ, is, is it's the genie's out of the bottle. And now there's a there's sort of a fear that the pirates are being pirated, and you know you've just created this monster. So, BN hasn't been able to operate in Saudi Arabia for a long time, and you you've had you know you've had this this as you say a vacuum, a, a legal vacuum, and there's been big impacts on BN. BN have, have, have laid people off. They've started to send back rights. They 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 declined to continue with F1 because they just didn't think it was economic. And you've had this enormous um, and slow, complicated, long-running saga of of rights holders around the world. Everyone from the NFL to NBC to to, to entertainment brands to FIFA, the lot, all asking Saudi Arabia to do something about BLQ, do something about the protection of intellectual property rights in their jurisdiction. And they haven't until, and this brings us up to sort of kind of the present time, until about a month or so ago when a World Trade Organization report pretty much backed Qatar. Qatar made a complaint. They made a complaint a couple of years ago. They're asking for damages. That's that's still rumbling on and does appear to be, again, heading in Qatar's direction. But the WTO report on the matter basically said, Saudi Arabia, you're not, you're not following the rules. You're not giving uh, legal rights holders uh, recourse to justice in your courts, and you need to step up the fight against piracy. So that's where we're at. And then, you know, we've all thought, Okay, Saudi got that message, and if Saudi Arabia wants to buy Newcastle, which is I'm sure where we're heading next, um, <laughs> you you are going to have to do something about piracy, and you know that's what I thought was going to happen, and then boom, Tuesday, no, they've doubled down, and instead of slowly, you know, lifting lifting the um, the ban on being, they've they've gone the other direction and emphatically banned them. Just before we go to Newcastle, I, I want to get a better sense of what BLQ is. Is there a, a European equivalent, just for the sake of demonstrating the dynamic that's at work here? Well, um, look, piracy... A legal this, European this, equivalent, well, that is, obviously. Mm, not really, no. Look, okay. piracy is uh, everywhere. Everyone knows that. And if you, um, you know, I've seen various people, Newcastle fans on, on Twitter, try and point this out to me, because they're so desperate for this takeover to go through. And they're, and they're kind of looking for... Um, moral equivalence and, <laughs> and and trying to make these sort of relative statements that oh you know piracy is everywhere. Um, we you can get it on on, on fire sticks, you can get it on um, on Kobe boxes, illegal streams all over the place. Everybody knows that, um, and, and people often in the past used to sort of think it was a sort of coming out of the Far East or Eastern Europe or or wherever it might be, or you know just sort of dodgy garages or. But stealing, stealing uh, rights and sh- illegally streaming football matches is, is is not new, and it's not limited to Saudi Arabia. Let's 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 make that very very clear. And every big organisation 
is aware of that and takes it very seriously. Now, one of the reasons the Premier League has done so well in terms of its uh, broadcast revenues over the years is that it has really protected its broadcast partners. It's, it's forged very close links with its, its favourite broadcast partners, the people that just keep coming back every three years with bigger checks. And it has tried to defend them. So if it is, it is, it's got a big anti-piracy operation, it opened its first overseas office a year or so ago in Singapore, specifically to put boots on the ground in that region and to do other things as well. But the anti-piracy operation in Singapore is really, really big. It takes people to court, be they, you know, uh, pub landlords who are showing illegal feeds, be it a, a guy last year who was selling BLQ boxes on the Edgware Road in London, you know, be it sort of, you know, more, more slightly more sophisticated illegal operations. But, but to go back to your question, I cannot think, and no one has been able to think of one, of a of a an operation this sophisticated because i mean first of all you know getting getting stealing stealing a very large player's signal and and broadcasting it via you know a satellite it, it, it was was quite an operation being were constantly taking anti-piracy measures been and continue to do so for sort of two or three years you know cha- changing their signal changing their feed individually trying to switch off boxes you name it but there's millions of these boxes out there. that's that's half the problem and blq have always managed just to sort of kind of stay ahead i mean there have been some times where and this is where this is where it's become a really international issue where be in have managed to shut down blq for a while and this happened during the 2018 world cup where blq just pinched somebody else's signal for a while they, they were pinching um, you know, a South American signal for a bit, a, free, a European signal, um, and pirating all, all manner of things. I, I have had a demonstration of a BLQ box, and uh, if illegally take, taking other people's intellectual property and thing, you know, stuff is, is your thing, is your bag, this, it, it's a magic box <laughs> for sort of you know, $60 in Saudi Arabia. And this is the problem here, because you've sort of created now an expectation. You've created a generation of sports fans who genuinely think you can get everything, everything for $60 a year. So, um, no, I don't think we have seen... Um, a pirate operation that looks as legitimate as this, that has a launch page and an electronic programming guide and has a kind of logo on a box and a, and a logo on a remote control and is this able to stay ahead of a very sophisticated anti-piracy operation before. That's what makes BLQ different. Do you know what? To draw a comparison from this week, it sounds like you're describing... Uh, you know, general piracy as being the odd Twitter hack versus uh, potentially the BLQ uh, piracy being the big Twitter hack of, of mm. this week, where you know the bigger all the big names were taken down. Is that is that a sort of fair comparison, Matt? Yeah, and then this is where um, inevitably the conversation becomes around. Ah, oh, well, I mean, that's that's not just some two-bit operation. That is someone that has access to kind of state level. Um, resources and know-how and, and, and i think that's probably a a fair um, assessment of what's been going on for the last few years yeah okay well listen before again before we come to newcastle and we will um I, you mentioned you, you spoke a little bit there about uh, the premier league's take on this um, but i'm curious because you also mentioned that whilst this is now making the ban permanent uh, that it has been there in some effect since 2017 what has the, what is the premier league's line on the fact that it's not really been possible to, to legally watch the premier league in, in in saudi arabia for for you know three years well the premier league's been really consistent to be honest um it's 
it, as I said, has a really good track record in this area and goes to bat for its broadcast partners when they've got an issue like this. And this is one of the reasons why that WT report came about and why it, why it went in that direction very much against right. Saudi Arabia. It's that the Premier League and many, many other rights holders, I mean, there was a, there was a big organised effort it started about two years ago, but various letters have, have, have gone out that the Premier League were, were pretty much in the, in, the, in the vanguard of. FIFA, then UEFA, Bundesliga, La Liga, Syria, uh, Ligue 1, that's probably it. It's about seven, yeah, it's the big leagues plus FIFA and UEFA. Um, to, to just, just constantly calling on the Saudi authorities, you know, do, what are you doing? You need to stamp this out. You are stealing our stuff and you are endangering our business model. And there are very real consequences of that. You know, jobs will go. Um, the value yeah. of our assets, the value of our products will fall. And, then, and, and people will notice that eventually. So that's been the Premier League message. And, and the Premier League have tried with those other partners nine times in the last three years to take legal action against BLQ. Now, the reason, the reason that's failed is to do with... Um, um, you know, these WTO treaties on intellectual property. The idea being if someone is stealing your stuff, if someone is, is pirating you or hacking you or creating counterfeit goods, you, you are meant to take action in the jurisdiction where the offence is taking place. And anyone that has sort of signed up to these WTO agreements, you know, agrees to facilitate that, agrees to follow those rules. Now, the problem that anyone has had, anyone that's encountered trying to tackle BLQ is they go to a Saudi you know, uh, law firm and say, right, will we, we, we you take us on, please? We, we, we want to take BLQ to the court through the Saudi courts. And they say, um, no. <laughs> well, they'll say yes, and then they'll say no. Presumably when right. someone is telling them, you know, no, don't take that case. Now, they've tried nine times. So, you know, Qatar, the Premier League, BN have all hit this cul-de-sac, and that is what has forced BN to go through this really... Um, securities route through WTO and uh, through international arbitration, which is going to take a while to get what they wanted, which was to have this, well, in their view, illegal boycott ban lifted. So the Premier League have watched this and backed B in. That's interesting. It's, it's good to know because the temptation uh, for me, as someone who, who hasn't read a huge amount about this, is to uh, believe that you know that the narrative has suddenly spiked uh, as Newcastle entered the picture. But that doesn't doesn't sound like it's it's the case. Can I ask you, Matt, to speculate on uh, the foreign policy objectives of Saudi Arabia? <laughs> is that possible? Because everything <laughs> that you say uh, sounds like this is a bad idea. Like this doesn't make any sense, and I'm sure that it that it does. But what what uh, beyond you know scoring points in a in a sort of um, a, a domestic regional ongoing dispute beyond that uh, what are the possible advantages of uh, this type of I mean it seems pretty aggressive action it is aggressive um, I you know I, I have to probably just remember that I'm a football journalist so I'm, I, I'm, I don't <laughs> want to get too much into into Saudi no, sure. Qatari relations and, and the it's just fascinating but, no, but what I what, look what I can say I can sort of state some of the facts and that in June 2017 um, half a dozen countries broke off diplomatic relations with Qatar um, they denied Qatari Qatar air, you know, access to airspace um, they started an economic blockade um, pretty serious stuff, and the reasons for this are, you know, a little bit more historic. There's been, you know, almost a sort of fam family level dispute. 
Qatar was supposed to be a member of the UAE, was supposed to be one of the Emirates. You know, it didn't. It cho- chose to go its own way. Close links between the families that run these these three countries. And there's, the Iran there's, stuff there's, as well, right? Well, there's, well, I was going to get to that. I mean, there's, there, there is sort yeah. of, as I say, you know, cl- you know, sort of close, you know, jealousies and and and, and economic rivalries and who's up, who's down, um, and then of course Qatar finds itself a little bit wedged in. Has has lot, something has lots of cash because it has these huge gas, in particular, and oil resources, and, and, and wants to sort of stamp its mark a little bit um, and 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 be more independent and. Um, you know, kind of, you know, not not be pushed around by Saudi and um, and and the UAE to such an extent, and very probably has been fostering closer relations with Turkey and Iran. Now that you can argue that's sensible, that because because they are small, um, they have to be friendly to people, um, friendlier anyway than, than than Saudi and UAE might might feel they need to be, and and that again has caused issues in the area. Um, so Qatar's perceived closeness to the great enemy, Iran. A lot of this is wrapped up in the Sunni Shiite split within um, um, the Islamic faith, um, and just Iran being sort of a you know a traditional big power in that region um, and being being uh, sort of the natural opponent i guess of of sunni saudi arabia um and turkey as well you know a regional player so qatar has perhaps been friendlier with the other side than saudi and the uae would like them to be and then i think the other bit of it has been al jazeera and be in so there, there is a very sort of kind of specific broadcasty bit so the arab spring um that kind of erupted uh, all over the place um, Al Jazeera was sort of almost the channel that broke that that, that, that covered that and uh, certainly many people lots of people in Saudi Arabia for example thought you know why are you you know washing our, our dirty linen in public like that? why are you stoking it up why are you why are you giving a platform to um, the Muslim Brotherhood and other organizations that, that are threatening our domestic security so that's where you get into this you know not only are you uh, you know, in cahoots with Iran, the great enemy, but you appear to be giving a platform to sort of internal uh, opposition in, in in many Arab countries. So Qatar became just the bad boys. They just became this sort of, you know, you're just causing trouble. And that hasn't really gone away. And when you hear, and this was all in the WTO report as well, the Saudi defence against all this stuff was national security. You know, we're, we're, we're not... We're, we're not cooperating with Qatar. We're not cooperating with B, and we see them as a as a sort of Al Jazeera sport, basically. And Al Jazeera sports are a, an op, a a network that give give a platform to terrorists. So um, you know, no, you know, no, you 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 know, you're right. We're we're not um, respecting their intellectual property for good reason. So that's why it's so bitter, and that I think is where what are they playing at? Well, they're playing at because they they really really want to take Qatar down. They want to bring Qatar to heel. Qatar says. What are you talking about? You're bullying us. Rubbish. We're not backing terrorism. You know, the truth, the truth. You you choose where you sit on that on that range of views. Yeah, I think. And, and just something I wanted to add to that as well. Um, I remember finding, finding this very interesting when I when I read about it last year, the sort of natural Qatari view or, or the Qataris view of themselves as a, as a country. They see themselves as I can't remember the Arabic term for it now, but essentially in English, it means that mediators for the region mm. and that it is historically a country and a location that has um, 
that has held uh, many peace talks between, well, I guess opponents that you would never consider would meet to discuss things. Like, for example, um, people from the US military and Al-Qaeda met in Qatar to discuss uh, discuss terms. And I think that's very closely linked with how the Qataris see themselves as a country, both historically, but also now as a result of um, unearthing the you know gas fields in the North Sea, that they now have the um, the economic ability to be able to be more forceful with that perception of themselves, uh, which leads us to you know, discussions about potentially closening um, or closer relations with Iran, certainly than the rest of the Gulf does, uh, because they would view themselves as a country that would would speak to everybody rather than than not. Um, and I think it's it's just in like important to to make that that point as well, because I suppose there are um, yeah divisions in the in the in the Persian Gulf that are. are perhaps too complex for a football podcast but Matt yeah. you know we certainly have tried uh, and uh, I think no, I, I think you that. did a really good job uh, thanks very much for doing that no um, no, no, no and, I, and I like that idea of, of Qatar Qatar's sort of historic view of itself which which would have been born from a sort of sense of weakness so you know we're, we're not yeah. big and strong enough to throw our weight around so we'll be the middle child right we'll be Switzerland yes. here and the fact that it has this kind of key geographic position as well, it kind of juts out into the Persian Gulf. You know, it, 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 it's a strategic sort of place that until it got really, really rich, really quickly, that that was its strength, you know, its, its, its position. And it was also kind of small enough not to annoy anybody. So it, it played that role really nicely. Fortunately, unfortunately, depending on the way you want to look at it, it's, it's changed. And it, it, it now has a desire to be a bit more than that. And the bidding for the World Cup was, was you can't think of a better example, that mm-hmm. inevitably annoyed the Saudis. Absolutely. Well, let's talk now about the team, which uh, is, is, well, I don't know whether they are or not at the centre of, uh, of uh, certainly this, this phase of the dispute. Seb, would you like to bring Newcastle into the conversation for us? Well, yeah, I think, Matt, something that um, confused me and probably troubles a few other people is, is when this... Um, when this latest development occurred, I read in a few places that um, those at the heart of the Newcastle United takeover believed that these two issues were separate, that um, one wouldn't have any influence on the other. Um, how can that be so, given the people involved here? I've read the same things as you. I've tried to speak to people about this. My, my, my personal take is that the people who are trying to put this deal together, so this, of course, is... Um, the, the proposed takeover of Newcastle United is basically 80% funded by uh, the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund, the Public Investment Fund, uh, one of the biggest sovereign wealth funds in the, in the world that traditionally was based on spending Saudi's oil money on projects to diversify the Saudi economy, which is perfectly legitimate. It's a really good idea. It's what lots, lots of sovereign wealth funds are, to do, uh, are designed to do. Um, in, in more recent years, has become a bit more um, glitzy, showing offy, a bit more ambitious in what it's trying to do. It's been sort of kind of shopping in um, different places, uh, buying stakes in in um, new IT, techie sort of things like Uber and the entertainment sector. It's become very closely aligned to Hamid bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. He's kind of sort of taken it under his wing and very much uses it as, as sort of um, as, as part of his power base in Saudi Arabia. Um, and um, it's closely tied to his vision for the country, 2030, uh, the Vision 2030, which again is all based upon diversification of, of, of the Saudi economy. Um, really growing its um, tourism and entertainment sector, 
um, becoming a bit more like, if you if, if you will, sort of Dubai and Qatar, dare I say, you know, using sport um, and tourism to, to to sort of do that and to give and and to give Saudi Arabia a, a slightly different profile. So the fact that um, the public investment fund, basically an investment arm of the Saudi government. Um, uh, is trying to buy a club. Well, there is then a close link, then, isn't there, between between uh, Saudi Qatari relations, between a possible uh, piracy operation run by the Saudi state to diminish Qatar. You know, there, there is a link there, and um, the Premier League, of course, as I say, even long long way before uh, anyone was talking about Newcastle, had issues with Saudi Arabia and had, and was frustrated with Saudi Arabia, was frustrated with the Saudi Arabian government. So. There is a link, whether whether you know Newcastle United fans or the, the other partners in this proposed takeover. Um, Amanda Staveley, a, a, a British businesswoman who has been based in the Middle East for a while and has, has sort of built her reputation on being a, a networker and a, and, a, and a sort of deal maker for Middle Eastern states, and the Rubin brothers, who are who are you know massive, very successful property developers in the UK. Um, so Staveley is going to take a ten percent stake basically for sort of putting the deal together um, and being the kind of public face of it, certainly in this country. And the Rubin brothers presumably are going to get 10% because of their um, expertise in property um, in, in, you know, in, in, in Newcastle. So, you know, hopefully a really big regeneration project in, in Newcastle, similar to the one we've seen in Manchester, East Manchester with Manchester City. So that's the idea. So, you know, when I hear from the takeover camp um, that, Oh, it's completely different. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, um, they're wrong. They, this is the bit that I struggle on, with as well. And, and, they've yeah. been, and they, they've been wrong on this from the beginning. You know, I understand that they completely underestimated the importance of the piracy issue, the importance of the BLQ. They, they basically didn't get it, um, and they've, they've learned the hard way. And um, so when I when I when I hear and um, you know a lot of this is sort of nods and winks and, and suggestions, I, I just I'm sorry I've I've lost you know I'm not saying I've lost faith in their ability to get the deal done and other parts of it, but they but they've been wrong on piracy since, since the beginning. Now what is happening in the background that could be something completely different. Is is what we've just witnessed this week? Is this the beginning of another way to get this deal done. So, so for a long time, it did look like the only way for, to get this deal done would be for Saudi to sort of, you know, kind of back down basically, and to allow being back into its market and to round up the usual suspects and and really put a lid on BLQ. That that seemed to be the most straightforward way to do this, and that was the way, frankly, that most people I spoke to thought this was going to go. It was certainly the preferred, considered easiest way. I think we were all perhaps maybe being a bit naive, maybe, um, and, and we were un- we, we, we were underestimating uh, the importance of face and the importance of pride and all that in um, Saudi in you know in, in Gulf affairs um, and the idea that Saudi were going to back down in this dispute with Qatar in any way. Perhaps we were being naive. So the the new theory or the, the sort of the other theory is, no, this is Saudi Arabia very aggressively telling the Premier League, no, we're not going to do that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to, be in's out, forget being, deal with that, live with that. Here's, here's, here's our solution. Give us a deal. Give us a deal. We will legally buy your rights. 
and there will be a, a legal Saudi version of being and that'll be great for you and it'll be great for us Saudi people can watch Premier League football Newcastle United legally and you've got a new broadcast partner and who knows when the when the Middle East and North Africa rights come up again in 2022 that Saudi state broadcaster that Saudi new operation and you know there's there's a, you know, a couple of ideas waiting in the wings will be will replace will take on being and we can have we can have a great big auction and everyone can be happy now that there's a problem with that as of as of monday tuesday as of the beginning of this week no one had told be in that they are they you know they, they are the legal rights holder and it did kind of um assume that the premier league would want to go almost on a country by country basis now they do have country uh, deals but but certainly in that region you know the, the middle east north africa deal makes sense because there are lots of smaller countries there. There's only a sort of a, a few that you would perhaps consider to have a, an individual relationship with. It, it, it's not a new thing. It's not a relatively new idea that you'd have a regional deal there. Lots of other sectors, lots of other companies, lots of other company, you know, organizations deal with MENA in the same way. And if Saudi Arabia wants a, a national deal, What's to stop Bahrain, Egypt, UAE? Suddenly, suddenly the Premier League are going to have you know fifteen different deals when they when they used to have one, one really good one. So I think there are two problems with that theory, and um, and in the in the last two or three days, there there frankly has been no news on what this means. Is this um, one hand of the Saudi government not knowing what the other is doing? Is this? Um, a fit of pique on behalf of the Saudi government because they are looking at, you know, they're, they're looking and listening to the negotiations around Newcastle and they're, they're thinking, well, this isn't going our way. Um, but, you know, that's it. Taking our ball home and um, frankly, sod being, be um, or, or, or is it this, right, let's try and manoeuvre the Premier League into a position where they have to deal with us. And if, if, if you know, if this is going to happen, they need to give us a, a national deal and um, you know presumably whatever money we give the Premier League will be then paid to be in as compensation but you know that's not gonna happen soon is it so this is we you know this for Newcastle United fans none of those sound that great in terms of getting this done quickly so if those two things are related and uh, you know in a hypothetical future we see a deal for Newcastle get over the line and we see Saudi Arabia either offered um, a, a national uh, subscription that they can uh, administer domestically, or potentially even outbidding be in at the next uh, next bidding process for the for twenty twenty two for the whole region. Um, is it not hard to look at that and think? I know you described it as manoeuvring, but is it not hard to look at that and not think mm, that looks a little bit like it could be interpreted as bribery? Yeah, I mean, this is this is another thing that that. You know, when when I've talked about, you know, could this be what they're trying to do? And, um, you know, I've spoken to sort of experts in, in, in this field, lawyers and, you know, academics and, and, and people just, you know, analysts of the of the industry. And they and they said, well, look, yeah, OK, I mean, I, I, I can see that as a sort of there's a, there's, a, there's a rationale to it. If you have this political impasse between two states and it's implacable and and and, you know, they're just they're just not going to get they're not going to go in the way that we want them to go you know could could the a best case scenario be right rip up that deal or rip up a bit of that deal give us give the saudis the carve out they want you know use that money then to compensate the wronged party 
hopefully we can all move on and you know put this behind us take over goes through what sort of precedent does that set that's that's not really sort of getting off on a good foot in terms of dealing with people in good faith and how you approach commercial relationships and you know your you know do you respect contracts uh, what message does that send out to other rights holders in other regions who may well have I don't know a beef with um, another country or a, or a or a club or a company it, it it potentially opens a can of worms I mean like I say the Premier League's success is based on its ability to sell its rights around the world to legitimate companies who pay good money for it uh, they win these rights in auctions um, and then the Premier League provides a you know a good product uh, invests that money in stadiums and players and managers etc um, and 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 comes to comes to protect you comes to bat for you when you have an issue um, this looks like the Premier League kind of caving in and you know making up things as they go along and it it yeah, I mean, it, it raises it raises serious questions at a time, at a really strange time for the Premier League, for all of us. But for the Premier League in particular, really, it, it's never needed broadcast money. It's never needed good relations with its broadcast partners more than it does right now. You know, we are we're finishing one season behind closed doors, and it's effectively the only the only cash coming in is TV cash and, and a bit of sponsorship money. But that sponsorship money is only still coming in because of the of the platform that the broadcasters are giving are giving their their, their name and their logos. So, um, you know, even even next year, we you know we hope to get fans back in and and you know and hopefully lots all the fans back in at some point next season. Um, it's, it's going to be a while for things to settle down and we're going to be dealing with the economic um, implications of the last the last few months for, for at least a year, 18 months, perhaps two years. Broadcast money has never been more important. Um, does the Premier League really want to jeopardise what it's built to just placate and to, to soothe Saudi pride? I, it, 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 just seems, it just seems very risky to me. No more reason than that, I think, is needed for the Premier League to seriously consider um, and spend some time investigating the OTT streaming model. Because if you're going to be in a situation where um, states or sovereign wealth funds, effectively states own uh, football clubs that operate in your league and also uh, participate in the the process of buying and, and selling um, broadcasting packages for that league, then you're going to leave yourself open to, to you know, potentially complicated situations. Whereas if you, you know, if you own and operate everything that's being that's being streamed, then I assume that closes one particular door. Hey, Matt, thanks so much. I find this topic endlessly interesting. And I think uh, with any, you know, decades old regional dispute, there will be more to the story. Uh, so if if you will come back um, and, and do this again in, I don't know, you know, whenever, I mean, every day, hopefully, but no. when, when the next installment occurs, <laughs> Um, I'd love to reconvene and uh, and discuss this more. But thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. At some point, this you know this deal is either going to go through or it's going to officially fall fall apart, fall down. Um, Do you think so though? Because a bit like lockdown, uh, I'm kind of feeling like it may be there forever now, just sort of in, in perpetuity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll just become the a fixture of the Premier League. Yeah, maybe. It'll just Next year, it'll get done. Yeah, a club in limbo. I mean, they, I mean, Newcastle fans think they've been in limbo for a decade anyway. I mean, God, I mean, no one would wish that mm. on them. I'm sure even Sunderland fans, I mean, that's just awful. 
Hey, the bell is ringing in the bank below where I live, which and seems to happen that at this time. The end of the podcast. Yeah. It does. I mean, I think maybe I've never noticed before, out. but I think it might be ten to three every day that that happens. So I do believe that that caused the end. Matt, thank you so much. We'll we'll hopefully speak to you again soon. And, and Seb, thanks to you also. Thanks, and goodbye to everyone who's who's listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.